Good morning. Good morning. All right. Thank you, worship team. So good to see you guys. Thank you for coming out on a cold and rainy, windy Okinawa morning. But uh, always a blessing to be able to get together. So I know we saw the restrictions got extended to the 31st. Is that, did I read that right? All right. So. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, as it says, you know, the saying goes, it's not a train, so praise the Lord. Hopefully we'll get there. And um, Some of you guys know my wife, Christy, was stateside, took Nehemiah, my son is back. She's in quarantine in Tokyo right now, and uh, hopefully she'll get back to Okinawa on the 31st as well. So everyone will get out, we'll go to Yakiniku, we'll have, it'll be awesome, okay? It'll be a great time. Uh, couple of things I want to just remind you of before we jump into our morning's portion, so hang with me. The first is our midweek connect groups, our Wednesday nights, started back up last Wednesday. If you're able, if you have some time on a Wednesday night, uh, 6 o'clock to 7.30, we try to, traffic can be a little rough, I, I realize. Uh, we try to do it early enough where if you're coming with your kids, we can get you back home and you know, get them to bed and homework done and all that kind of stuff. But uh, anyways, it all started back up this past Wednesday, and just want to make an invitation, let you guys know that's happening, and if you'd like to be a part of that, we'd love to have you. Six different groups to include, one for the youth, and so for the whole family, we got you covered. We have the nursery, we have toddlers, we have something for the elementary kids, and we also have something for junior high and high schoolers as well. So that's Wednesday night. Uh, Guys, also our men's Bible study uh, ramped back up, and so we're in motion every Saturday, 8 o'clock. Uh, again, if you can't make um, you know, any of them, if you can make one, uh, we'll take you. It's just a good time as we're getting in the Word, and we're looking at different men throughout the Scripture, and uh, each Saturday a different guy actually is sharing just some observations and application from that particular study, and uh, this past Saturday is really good. Henry got to share. Also, with our kind of our winter PCS cycle, we, we've lost some folks, um, especially those who are helping out in various ministries to include our children's ministry. And so there is a need there. Uh, Renee asked me to make a quick plug and, l- and let you know that we, we are looking for some folks to help us with teaching, uh, even with AIDS, and even with the check-in system, if that's something that maybe you'd be willing to do and help us out with. Huge help. Uh, if you're like, yeah, I think I can do that, or if you have questions, just find Renee or Nicole or, or any of the staff people that have a lanyard on, and uh, we'd love to get you information and get you the link. Or application for ministry, if that's if that's you. Uh, the other thing is a praise. Uh, Kevin and Rose Jones had their baby this past week, so praise the Lord for that. Uh, we rejoice with them. A meal train has been set up to provide meals for them through our Mana Ministry, and uh, we're going to be posting the link on the church Facebook page. If you're not already part of the ministry team, uh, that email distribution list, uh, you can find it on the Facebook page. And just a easy, simple, but very impactful way to bless somebody else in the body of Christ and, you know, just to be able to bring them a meal and a small thing that goes a a long way. So we rejoice with the Jones family and and praise the Lord for them. And as I mentioned, thank you for praying for Christy. She's back. Looking forward to getting back in the swing of things. Um, Kids are doing well, so that was a good trip for her. And and I know COVID's been making its, its rounds again. So I'll say this, if, if, uh, if it ends up coming your way, your household for you, and you need anything, a grocery run, um, 
meals, whatever, let, please let us know. We'd be happy to help out, happy to do what we can. Uh, prayers are a given, but if we can do something beyond that practically, we'd love to be able to do that, okay? So please keep us informed uh, as those things might be coming your way. All right, I think that's it for announcements. A quick happy birthday to Claudia again, uh, 21st birthday again, so praise the Lord. All right, we're in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, if you have your Bible with you. And uh, I'll tell you this, it's going to be a one-verse Sunday, so we have all of one verse. It's a really good verse, though. Uh, there'll be four parts. We're going to pull it apart, if you will, kind of like an accordion, and we'll look at each of those parts. And I pray as the Lord you know, encouraged and spoke to me and the things that I believe he gave me to give to you, that you'll be encouraged as well. Uh, thanks, LJ. Does anybody need to borrow a Bible? You can just wave at LJ. He'll be happy to... Let you borrow one. Okay, Hebrews 12 is where we're at. One verse this morning I entitled our message, Run Your Race. Run Your Race. All right. You guys good? All right. Kiara gets to hang out a little bonus time. Praise the Lord. It's fun. All right, would you stand with me? We're going to read this. Well, I'll read this verse. You can follow along, and then we'll pray, and we'll get to it. The writer says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, notice the invitation along with the exhortation, let us, let us lay aside every weight, he includes, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. That's gospel truth. And then includes, let us run. And he qualifies it, though. Let us run with endurance. And what are we running? Well, the race, the idea is that, that God has set before us. So one verse this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day. And Lord, even as we consider the rain, we trust Farmers need it, the crops need it, so we, we praise you for that as your word reveals to us that in your common grace, in your love for the world, Lord, you, you provide, and you provide rain for the just and the unjust. And Lord, we thank you for that. And Father, we, we pray as we have this blessing to gather here in a place that's dry and comfortable. Lord, in a place that we can exercise the freedom of worship, to stand and to open your word publicly, to read and proclaim the scriptures, God, thank you. And we ask, Father, that you might, if you will, reign upon our hearts, that our own hearts and souls and lives would be nourished this day by the watering of your word, that your spirit would speak, and Lord, to instruct to exhort, to encourage. Father, we thank you that you know exactly where we're at and what we've brought into this room, the things that are heavy upon our hearts. And we thank you, God, that even through this time, uh, Lord, we can cast our burdens to you and our cares to you. And so, Father, I, I pray by faith to say thank you for how you'll speak, what you'll do, and Lord, grant us ears to hear and a heart that yields to you. We pray not only for ourselves, but we pray for the other churches and chapels and fellowships this morning. Lord, 
May your spirit move across this island and this nation. We love you and we praise you and we ask these things together in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, would you take a moment, say hello to someone and wave at them or elbow bump or whatever you feel comfortable with and then you can have a seat. If you've been with us for some time, you've probably heard me mention this. It's where I, I gravitate to. I think it's really interesting to me how the Bible uses various descriptors, uh, images uh, that uh, writers employ to describe our, our Christian life. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be in community with each other? Um, and there's all these various ways in which the Holy Spirit inspired you know, different authors to describe that. And uh, in and itself is a fascinating study to me. And amongst the many, uh, there are metaphors. We're described, our walk is described like physical bodies. Paul would use that metaphor when he writes to the Romans in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, there's bodies, there's branches, there's buildings, all of those, and many more that describe our relationship with God and with each other. To the Romans, Paul would write in Romans 12:4 that just as each of us has one body, we have mem many members of our body, our arms and our ears. And he says, and, and so uh, these members don't have the same function, they have a different purpose. And then he parallels it, and so in Christ, we, we are many, though we're one body, and yet likewise we have a different function, we have a different place in the things that we do. But yet we all belong to one another, he goes on to say. It's Jesus himself who in John 15, 5 would say, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you and I abide or we, we remain in him, then we will bear fruit. He's our life source. He's the vine, we're the branches, and apart from him, we can't do anything, he would say. And so there's another descriptor there. And then uh, even Peter uses different analogies. He, in 1 Peter 2.5, he, he likens us being put together, and he uses this term, we're like living stones, or, or today's equivalent might be like, we're like living uh, Lego pieces, being stacked together, we look different, we're different color, we have different kind of shape, but but we're being built into a spiritual house so that together we can uh, offer spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. And so there's these amazing descriptors, and the Apostle Paul loved to use a variety of them, not just uh, body and buildings and branches, but he used army and agriculture and athletics as well. Writing to Timothy, he talked about how we are like soldiers. We're to be like good soldiers who've been enlisted, and we're soldiers of Christ, and, and that imagery reminds us then we're, we're in a battle, and we're in warfare, and God's given us a spiritual armory that we can go to every day and check out our spiritual armor and put that on, and we have spiritual weapons. It looks nothing like the world. A lot of different descriptors of, of agriculture and farming, of course, a lot of the early Bible readers would understand that it would be speak to their world and their life and 
He talked about how not only are we a field, but we're also like farmers, hardworking farmers who tend this field. And if you will, you know, we have to pull the weeds of our life and to ensure a good harvest. And one that Paul often used was one of athletics. Uh, I, I think that if Paul, the Apostle Paul was alive today, he would be a sports fan. I think he'd be one who would go to your kids' soccer games and, and cheer them on with you. Or for some of you, he'd go to your kickball games and, uh, and cheer you on. Uh, I, I have no doubt that he'd be one of the guys that would you know, hang out with us for Super Bowl. And praise the Lord here in out Super Bowl Monday. You know, so. Paul often used sports and athletics. He talked about boxing, he talked about wrestling, and he talked about running. And here as we get to Hebrews 12, the writer of Hebrews also talks about running. He uses the same imagery. And, and, and so much so that there are people who believe that because of this analogy that perhaps the Apostle Paul wrote that, and it, it, it could be. Again, we're, the author never identifies himself, and so it could be Paul, but it could be somebody else. But nonetheless, the point is still the same. There's an analogy of, of running and, and an allegory of our life, a metaphor of our Christian life. And in this one verse, there's a lot here. In fact, there's a lot more that I'm going to unpack with you today. So I encourage you this week to read and reread and even look at the next verses. Certainly all go together. But for our time this morning, I want to just pull out four things, four aspects of our race that God has called us to that I pray would be an encouragement to you, uh, perhaps a challenge to you, and an evaluation that I think all of us need to take for our time this morning. So let's get to it. The writer kind of drops in mid-thought. We read, Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, then he kind of moves on into the imperatives. I want to pause for a second. If you've been with me, you know that every time we get to that word, therefore, I make a pause. I think it's important that we do. Uh, maybe you're a little tired of me doing that, but I think it's important. It's, it, it helps us to remember context. Because if you're just joining us, or if you just start reading chapter 12, and, and the writer begins to talk about we in this cloud of witnesses, it, it might lead you to make your own conclusions or make a guess as to what he's talking about. But we have to be careful when we read Scripture, we want to be able to see the text within the context. What has the writer been talking about? Because that word, therefore, is a connecting term, it's a transition term, and I would say to you, anytime you get to that word therefore and you read it, as the saying goes, you want to read, want to ask, what is therefore, therefore? What's going on? What's happened previous to this? Because it helps to then answer some of the questions that we might have as we read it. What does he mean, a great cloud of witnesses? Who is he talking about? Well, what was just written previous? Well, chapter 11 was. And we took a lot of weeks, didn't we, to get through that. But chapter 11, in a nutshell, is what's often called the great hall of faith. We likened it to a hallway where the writer is taking us down this hallway, looking at champions of faith of the Old Testament, making pause and giving us a descriptor and backstory as to what happened in this person's life or this situation. 
We also likened it to like pulling out your yearbook, looking at different pictures and scenarios. And if you have been journeying with us, hopefully I'll make a, uh, as I make a review, hopefully you've been encouraged that as we've walked and looked at these different people, we noted together they're not, they weren't perfect. They might be championed as heroes of faith, but when you really look at their story, man, they blew it. They had some problems. They had some family issues. They had some marriage stuff going on. They, they made some bad decisions. And yet through it all, God was gracious. God was faithful. God was good. God loved them. And hopefully that served as an encouragement to you because they're just like us. We're not perfect. We can make some bad decisions in life. We, we can get off track and we can blow it and we can blunder and yet God loves you. And God is gracious and God is good and God is faithful. And as they trusted the Lord at His word and His way, guess what, gang? You and I can trust the Lord in His word and we can trust the God's ways as well. You notice the writer includes himself, though. Therefore, we also. We also. And so it's drawing us to this hall of faith. Just like them, we too. And since we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. And so now hopefully you understand what is the cloud of witnesses? Well, it's chapter 11. It's all of those people. Again, I, I'd submit to you that without that context, sometimes you, know, you, you can be left to kind of guess, what does the writer mean? Who, what, who's, who's surrounded us and who's watching us? That's the idea, right? Who, who are these cloud of witnesses, those who might be watching us? In fact, there are some people who don't take it in context and like, oh, they're talking about angels, the writer's mentioned angels a couple times and the idea that, oh, there's these angels that are watching over us and they're watching you and it's the angels then who are, you know, observing and cheering you on and cheering me on and others would suggest perhaps it's our loved ones. Our loved ones who have graduated ahead of us, they're in glory now and in a sense, like they have some big screen TV and they're sitting there in heaven with some popcorn and they're watching your life and watching me and watching what you're doing? Uh, I don't know, maybe. The angels are watching us or our loved ones. I, I think it's a nice sentiment to think that grandma or papa or Gigi, you know, that they're there watching us and cheering us on from heaven. In my mind's eye, I imagine my family taking bets like, let's see how quickly he blows it, you know. <laughs> the context of this chapter and these verses uh, tell us it's not angels or our family as much as we might be comforted by that thought, but these witnesses, if you will, and they're not even just the people that are around us currently. You might read that and think, oh, maybe they're talking about neighbors and family and people that are in their workplaces or their schoolmates. Because those people watch us. But by context, I submit to you that it's not any of those people. It, it's those who have run ahead of us. It is those that are listed in chapter 11 that we took all those weeks to get through it's their stories and their life that serve as a witness, as a testimony 
that, that for the Hebrew Christians who were going through some hard stuff that they could get through and they could finish well and God was gracious and God is good and even as they tripped up and they stumbled, that guess what? We can do the same because God is good and God is faithful. And so the writer wants to bring us, if you will, under their example and their encouragement that it might empower you. And there is something empowering when someone has gone ahead of us in something difficult, isn't there? You know, we tend to gain confidence in something that maybe is a little fearful or maybe it's a little challenging, maybe something we wouldn't normally do by ourselves, but oh, if our friend comes with us or somebody's willing to, to go first and they you know, they jump off the rock or they jump out of the plane or they go on the zip line at Forced Adventure and they go first, like, okay, I think I can do that. Like, they made it, they didn't die, let me go. Or recently we're eating these different hot sauces and I'm like watching the person's reaction. Like, okay, they're okay, their face didn't explode at number eight, I'll try it, you know. There's this confidence that comes when someone goes ahead of us. And so there's that element. All oh, these people have gone ahead of us. They made it to the other side and they kind of turn around and say, hey, we made it. Come on, you guys can too. And so there's something there, the encouragement. When people have gone through the same struggles and trials and how it can energize you even when you think you got nothing left in your tank, even when you feel like, I am done, I, I got nothing. Now, this might surprise you. I'm not a runner. Yeah, yeah shocking, I know, I know. <laughs> but a couple years ago when I was in high school, um, I did play sports. Not track, uh, not cross-country, uh, I was more on the football and wrestling team side. That was the, the way that I went. But even in that, even though I didn't run track or cross country, I, I still remember the, the energy that you know, our team would get when the school's cheering for your team or, or even when I was wrestling down by points and then your teammates are cheering you on and you know, calling your name. And, right? there, there's, you can kind of get your second win from that. You get energized by that. Even if you feel exhausted, even if you feel like, oh, I want to tap out or I'm done. There's just something there. It happens in the natural and it happens in the supernatural. We have a good friend, Pastor Tim from Hawaii. We pray uh, that the borders open up. He's been waiting patiently. He wants to bring his teams back out and do ministry with us. And years past, it's been great. Brought a hula team and just, um, just some fun, great outreaches that we've done, you know, share the gospel here in Okinawa. But uh, he tells this great story about he's at the gym, and he went by himself one day, and so he wanted to go bench press, but he didn't have a spotter, so he just went on the machine. And so he's laying there on his back, and he's doing uh, his, you know, his sets, and he's uh, getting tired. And so as he's doing his, his sets, he starts to slow down, and all of a sudden, he can't see. It's just this voice, because he's you know, he's looking at the ceiling as he's doing these, his presses, and all of a sudden a voice is like, you got it. 
Come on, you can do it. So he's like, yeah, and he's doing it. One more, and he does another. One more, and he does another. And, and he said he got a few more you know, presses out of that just by this other person, unseen, just calling out like this encouragement. So as he finishes, he sits up, and all of a sudden he hears that one more, and he looks over and realizes the guy wasn't even talking to him. <laughs> Some other person he's trying to encourage. Oh man, a little encouragement goes a far way. King, this morning the Lord wants to do the same in your hearts. To encourage you. To bring life, to bring, if you will, a fresh wind. Because even though it's just a few days into the new year, man, just with all that's still happening, right, we feel like, I'm already tired, I'm ready for 2023 already. And we can feel a little beat up. We can feel like we got nothing in the tank. It's the new year, but I'm already done. This message is for you. The writer says, we also. And since we are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, since we have those who have gone ahead of us, guess what? We, notice this invitation. It's invitation, exhortation. Let us then, together, lay aside every weight. Here the author moves then from indicatives, what is true, to now imperatives. What should we do in light of what God's given us? How do we respond then? What should we be doing now? And notice with me that, that the author has included himself along the way. We also, we are surrounded. Let us lay aside. And I'm encouraged by those words because whoever the person may be, we realize they're mature. They have great perspective. And yet at the same time, they include themselves as this is prescriptive for them. And it's good for all of us because regardless of how long we've been walking with the Lord, regardless of how long we've been a Christian, short or long, that this invitation, that this instruction, that this exhortation is for all of us. It's not just for those or youngers or whatever, it's for all of us. And the idea that we all need this because we all want to finish well. And the idea that, too, the language conveys the idea that this isn't just a singular one-time event. That at the start of our walking with the Lord, all we're going to just lay this thing aside. It's the idea that it's continual, it's ongoing, it's a process, it's happening daily. And if that is true, then that also means we're making evaluation then taking inventory. What's going on in my life that perhaps I need to unload, that I need to jettison from my schedule? Again, there's a lot here. You know, for some of you, the starting point is just to say, yes, Lord, this is what I want. That God's called you, and and I hope that you know when God calls you, He calls you first to Himself to follow Him. We'll talk next week that 
Jesus, he goes on to say, right, is our focus, and we're all to be focused, but what we do and how we do it's going to look a little different in each of our lives. But all of us are called to the Lord first and foremost, to know him, to know his love and his forgiveness. And so for some of you, the the confirmation this morning is just to know that God's called you and to affirm that this is what you want. And to realize that when God calls us, when we align our desire with His, that's where then we experience His enablement and His empowerment. As the saying goes, right, God, God empowers us to do the things that He's called us to do. And so maybe even just begins with saying, all right, Lord, I, I want to surrender my will to your will. Whatever it is that you might have for me this year, that I want that. Now we are reminded in this analogy that the Christian life is a race. It's a long race for many of us. It's not a sprint it is a marathon. It's a long haul. Anybody here marathon runners? Maybe here want to be marathon runners? <laughs> I pray for you. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine nobody wakes up one morning and says, yeah, I think I'm going to run a marathon today. That has never crossed my mind, by the way. I, I envy people who have and do and even half marathons. You know, that kind of race, it, it requires preparation. It requires physical preparation, often, you know, dietary. You're going to change your diet a little bit. It requires mental preparation. And even avid runners will take time to train and learn the terrain, prepare themselves with the right equipment to get ready for the big race. And so likewise, if you will, gang, if we're going to run this race, there's some preparation that's required. And here the Lord gives us some of that preparation. The first is we got to free ourselves from the things that hinder us. So if you're a note taker, that's the point. We, we got to unload some stuff. Some of us are carrying some junk. This idea of weight, you know, it's, it's, it's an encumbrance. It's unnecessary. Some of your Bibles might even say, throw off. Let us throw off any and everything that's going to slow you down. I've seen races, you have too, the Olympics last year and different things. Some of you, again, that have participated. And generally, if you're in a race, you want to win, at least finish. And generally, you're going to carry as little weight as possible. You're going to try to be as light and as lean as you can. And you know, I've seen the runners when I'm driving by and encourage them, good job. You know, I'm eating my cookies. <laughs> you got this. And sometimes, like, even what they're wearing, right, like those silkies, and it's like barely anything. Tank tops, it's lightweight. They're very minimalistic. 
They want to have as much advantage as they can have to be able to run hard and far and go the distance. And I mean, I suppose if a runner wanted to run with a dive belt on or a backpack full of rocks, you know, that's their prerogative. They have every right to. And I realize there are some races and some things where, you know, they're, you're putting on gear and it's part of your endurance. And... But normally, if you're running a race to win, you're, well, you want to be as light as possible. And so the writer uses that analogy, that imagery to say, listen, we're on this race of faith and we need to strip away any kind of weight that's going to hinder your run, that's going to impede you, that's going to slow you down. That Greek word, that's originally there for the word weights, the word onkos, and it, it means burden. You're carrying a burden. And it speaks again to the things that, let me say it this way, that aren't necessarily sinful, right? He creates a different category, and the sin. They're not necessarily harmful. We wouldn't necessarily say, that, oh, that's bad, or that's wrong, or that's, that's not good. But at the same time, the Lord would say, well, it may not be harmful, but it's not helpful. I think sometimes in our life, one of the challenges that we have is to evaluate and discern the things that we're involved in or the things that are on our plate or that occupy our space and time and energy, try to discern between what's good and best, or good, better, and best. And praying and trying to figure out that because sometimes a good thing in itself could be good, but if it's standing the way of something better, then it's not good anymore. And certainly if it's standing the way of what God has called you to, then it, it's not a good thing. Now that list can look very different in each of our lives. I think there are categories that we could probably put it under. Categories of what occupies our calendar, our time and our energy, our, our pursuits. Think about what fills your calendar. And sometimes we can fill our calendar with social activities. Now I realize COVID, especially in this last season, has been the determiner, perhaps even the limiter of how much social activity we've been engaged in. But I still think there, it's good for us to make an evaluation. Because sometimes we can substitute social activities in the place of spiritual disciplines. And we convince ourselves they're the same. Well, they're similar, but they're not the same. They can look alike, but they're very different. Now, don't get me wrong. Fellowship is important. Community is important. We need it. And so when the body of Christ has opportunity to gather together, then, man, we should take every advantage. And as much and as best we can do, we're going to do that. It's good for us. God's designed us that way. Even amongst our different personalities, which we'll talk about again next Sunday. My wife is energized by a crowd. She loves people. She comes alive. I love people, but I'm not energized by a crowd. I, 
I have to go by myself and get recharged, and then I'm like, okay, my battery's full, here I go. But we still need community. The challenge for us is to, to not mistake or confuse just social activity as though it's a spiritual discipline. What else is included in that? Well, sometimes our hobbies, sports sometimes in that. Again, please don't misunderstand me. None of these things are bad in of themselves. I even think there's good things. Exercise is good, and hobbies can be good. I, but there is a danger because we can also get out of balance in those things where those pursuits become the, the main consumer of our free time outside of work and outside of school. Because I've seen... I have seen Many a time where hobbies and sports and exercise, where all of a sudden that they might be, a person might be physically healthy, but they are spiritually unhealthy. Just too much focus and energy and time has been given to that. And I, I don't know what that looks like in your life, the, those limits and that place. But I think this scripture challenges us to take an inventory, an evaluation. Is there a weight in my life? Is there something that, that maybe is okay for Jordan, but it's not okay for me, and it's okay for you know, the person sitting next to you, but it's not okay for you? Sometimes the question isn't necessarily, is this good or is this permissible, but, or even if I have time. Sometimes the better question is, is this wise? Is this best for me and my marriage or my family in the season that we're in right now? Because it may be God would say to you, it's a no for now, but not forever. You know, the things that my wife and I were able to do and committed to do when our kids were younger, in diapers and car seats, when I was first planning the church and we were just a smaller happy handful, and I'm working full-time somewhere else. I, what my life looked like and my commitments looked like then looks very different than it does now. And so we have these different seasons. Another area we can be a weight for us is what's entertaining us. Certainly we need to have discernment and wisdom and a filter in all of those things that we give, you know, our part of our mind and our ear and our heart to music and movies and uh, video games and you know what you're scrolling on social media because the truth be told sometimes those things can just seem like they suck up all the time you look up and it's like oh I need to go to bed and there goes your time and along with it a few brain cells And so in short, a weight can be anything that slows you down. And it might be okay for the person next to you. It might have been okay for you last year or a season ago, but, but today God is saying to you, I have something else for you this year. And I would add that whatever that else is, it's better. That God has something better for you. And the Lord is saying to you, set it aside. Put it off. 
take evaluation, inventory, and there's some things that you're carrying, and, and maybe you'd say, oh, it's, those are good things, and God says, oh, they're good things, but they're not the best things. And so the writer encourages us to lay aside every weight, whatever they might be. He doesn't tell us what they are. And then he adds this, number two, let us lay aside every sin, the sin that so easily entangles or ensnares us. Yes, it does, amen. It might be a challenge for you and for me to discern between best and better and good. Sometimes that's a hard line. Like, but it shouldn't be hard to discern between good and bad, right and wrong, sin and not sin. And what does the author say? I'll just restate it. I mean, just, the, the application is this, just get rid of sin. Because it's not the same as weight, where weight will hinder, sin will hurt, sin will harm. It will entangle you, it will cling to you, it will suck life out of you. It will trip you up and it will crash you. I mean, sin is the thing that separates us from God. Sin is the thing that separated Adam and Eve from God as sin entered their life and entered their world. It broke that fellowship. Praise God that He sent Jesus to come and to live and to die and rise again to restore that gap and to bring us back into fellowship. But sin still separates us. And sin will trip you up, and it loves to cling to you. The Bible not only has descriptors about our life in the Lord, but it also has an analogy about what sin looks like, and it's often called leaven or yeast. And the idea of how it just a little can leaven a lot, it permeates. Today we might use the analogy, it's like mold in Okinawa. If you don't treat that thing, forget it, move out your house, burn it down. It can overtake and overcome. And so, yeah, there's a sense in which we have to be serious then about sin. And, and the imagery that the writer is using here is this runner who's trying to run and being entangled. It's the idea that he's not wearing silkies and a thin uh, you know, uh, tank top. It's like wearing your bathrobe with all the cords and and it trips you up and it tangles you in there. And so what happens? You stumble and you fall and you, you trip and you crash. And you get hurt. Uh, forgive me. I, I want to say this in love. Sometimes there's a lot of emotion that comes with it. But I want to say this in the authority of God's Word, not, not just because I've observed things. I, I've watched too many people and too many marriages and too many lives and careers and families, ministries, crash and burn because of sin, because of unrepentant sin. Gang, I... I if you're dabbling in sin, I want to say this in love. Repent. Confess it. Get rid of it. 
you and I will fool ourselves. I will fool myself and you will fool yourself if we think that, oh, I can keep this, this little, it's like a pet for me, it's not, it's not harmful, I just hide it away, it's small. It's just a little bit of entertainment, it's a little bit of a release. Now, here, here's the reality, okay? God loves you. God is gracious, God is good, God is forgiving. But in because God loves you, God wants absolutely what's best for your life and best for your marriage and best for your family, your witness at work and ministry and your fa- you know everything. And he is so faithful that when we come to portions like this, his spirit will shine a spotlight in your heart in your mind, in your soul, because he does it with me too. And he's faithful to say, that is not good. You need to confess that, repent from that. Get rid of it. Throw it away. Because when he does that, and then we are like, eh, I'm not going to. I got it under control. We begin to make excuse, or do we deny it? Because God loves you, that if you don't expel it, guess what? He will expose you. In His great love, if I can say it this way, He'll blow you up. And often then it then comes out. It's discovered. And then you have to go through this whole process of being humbled and embarrassed. Well, God will use all of that too. Numbers 32, 23 says, be sure your sin will find you out. I've experienced that truth in my own life and I have watched it for 20-something years having the privilege and the honor of pastoring. And sometimes it scares me straight to watch what has happened to people in their careers and their lives. They, They have become, as the Bible talks about, shipwrecked in their faith. And I look and I'm like, I realize I have that propensity. I'm not any better, but man, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want that. Too many of us have crashed careers and families and ministry. It all went into the trash bucket for no good reason. For it's the st- It's the poorest exchange, right? Sin loves to promise this, and the Bible talks about how there's pleasure in it for a season, for a moment, for a second, but it is the worst exchange. What you put and what you can forfeit for a moment, for a fleeting moment, and so, gang, we have to choke it out before it chokes us out. Now, you make your way through the Bible, and God is so good. He's a realist. The reality of our race and our Christian life is we still fight the flesh. There's a battle that we're in. We are soldiers. We fight against spiritual forces. So there's the devil who hates us. There's the world that's against us. And guess what? There's our own selves, our own own sinful, you know, carnal nature that flares up, that when someone cuts you off, you don't want to say, God bless you, you want to give the one-way sign to heaven, right? There's, 
there's, there's all that we fight against. We still have this sin nature, and the Bible says we have to reckon it dead. And yet the Lord gives us spiritual soap, 1 John 1, 9. How do we get rid of this sin? It's not in our own strength. I'm not saying, hey, pull yourselves up by your own bootstrap, that kind of thing. No, it is a dependence upon the Spirit of the Lord. And the Bible says this plainly. 1 John 1, 9, if, I'll add if and when. When and if. When we sin, and then if we confess that sin, we see it, God says it's sin, you're like, yep, Lord, that's sin. I don't make an excuse. I don't play the blame game. I own it. I did something stupid. I said something stupid. It's sin. And I confess that. God says, I will then forgive you. And I'll cleanse you. I will wash you. And he doesn't say of most. He says of all unrighteousness. That's written to believers. There is an element where we have been delivered from the power and the penalty of sin when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. We are justified, but we're being sanctified. We still fight this flesh, and yet God doesn't leave us without resource. The Holy Spirit empowers us, enables us. The Bible says with every temptation, God provides a way of escape. The problem is, if you're like me, sometimes I don't take it. There's the exit. I'm like, ah, I'm going to stay here and I'm stupid. Sometimes it's simple. Turn the channel. When you walk into the store, don't go that way. Go a different direction. Click the close button. Cut your credit card. Close that account. If need be, give a trusted person your passwords. Keep your eyes closed or your mouth shut. Whatever. Sometimes it's just simple. And yet through it all, God helps us. And I trust that the Holy Spirit, as He's so good to convict me, that He'll convict you. And he will show you and me what, what those things that we need to jettison from our life. And I'll say this in love. Don't delay and don't debate and don't negotiate. Just do it. And so we're to get rid of this sin. And here again, let us, this invitation, what are we to do? Well, let us run. We're going to run. We have a purpose and a goal, and next week we're going to talk about our focus and where we're going. But he qualifies, let's run with endurance. So there's an invitation for all of us. There's an exhortation for all of us. And, and as I mentioned, to run well, it requires preparation. There's a part where we take an examination and evaluation, Lord, where am I? What's going on in my life? Holy Spirit, are you showing me something that might be okay for Tina or, or for Frank, but it's not okay for me right now, the season of my life. Or there are just things that I, God's saying, that's sin. You've got to get rid of that. It's not going to hinder you, it'll harm you, get rid of it. And so there's preparation, but there's also then the idea of pursuit. 
we're going to go in motion. And it requires patience. It requires persistence. It's endurance. Because life is like a marathon. It's an endurance race. The word that he uses for endurance there, it's the word hupamene, and it's the idea of being steadfast or determined. It, it's the idea of being tenacious or relentless. You, you have a passion for something, and you're not going to let anything get in your way. It's not the idea of kickback or kind of lazy, I'm just kind of plodding through. It, it is like, I'm after this thing. Is there anything in your life that you feel like you're passionate about, like you're after this thing? I think about my wife now, who my girlfriend then pursued me like a hungry lioness. I couldn't evade her. She got her, her prey. <laughs> Can we? We're in pursuit of the Lord and the things of the Lord, but it's both patient and persistent. It's endurance. And, and along with that comes the, the understanding, we, we, the reality of this race, that there's going to be times where we need endurance. I think we talked about before, right? We don't necessarily need endurance when you're just sitting on the couch flipping. Like, I need endurance. I need sustenance. More Pringles. You know. Often we need endurance when it's hard. It's challenging. In our life, it's hard. There, there are some big hills we're going to climb, and there's times we enjoy the downhill. There are dark days. It's rough. Everything seems to go wrong. But along with that, there are days where it's also sunny. It's not rainy. And there's days where things go right. You come home and, yep, they did the dishes and they folded their laundry. And you're running a little late and you make all green lights. Praise the Lord. Like the, We have those days too. And through it all, the Lord is there to encourage and spur us on. We need endurance. Several years ago, I did a, a bike race uh, from Rosarina to Ensenada in Mexico. I did a couple of them. But the very first one that I did, I didn't really know what to expect. It's a 50-mile bike race. And in the middle of it is this huge hill. It's like Mount Fuji in the middle of Mexico. And, uh, and if you've been around, I've shared this story before, so just bear with me. So this particular race, this first time I was going, and I got to the base of that hill, and it, it was looming. I thought, no way. And I had a good friend with me who stayed with me. He could have left me. <laughs> the other gang left, but he stayed. My friend Pule, who uh, he's Samoan, and he played professional football in the European Football League. So him and I were about the same. Right? <laughs> he's way more fit. And so as I'm riding up, he, he stayed with me. He could have easily left me. But he stayed, and he encouraged me, and just getting the right gear, and you know, you're at your clips, so it's pull and push, and you're just the steady pace, and you just keep going. And for me, I kind of had the sign wind you know, just to get up, and it took some time, and, and I was so grateful he was there, just, you can do it, you got it, don't quit, I'm like, no, go ahead, I'm going to just wait here for the lag wagon to get me, he's like, no, you got it, and some of it was discouraging, because he rode around me when he was, you know, <laughs> was it hard? It was hard, 
and difficult, I wanted to give up, yes. And sometimes life can be like that. But with the Lord, we can do it. See, the Holy Spirit comes along and who's more than able, who is all-powerful, all-enabling, who comes into your life and mine and says, listen, just stay in gear. You got this. Just keep your pace. Just keep going. And sometimes it's, it, it needs, there's patience that's needed. We want the process. Like, I want to get up there faster. I want to get through this quicker. And sometimes it's just you can get impatient with yourself. You ever experienced that? Like, Lord, I should be at a different place in my life. We'll see again in the weeks to come. It's the Lord who's the author and the finisher of your faith. He alone has the rights to the script of your life. In the book of Exodus, when Moses sends the 12 spies into the promised land, all 12 of them come back and they they all have the same report from their recon trip. There are giants in the land. We're like grasshoppers. So the data is the same. However, 10 of them evaluating the data make the conclusion and they say, we can't do this. It's going to be too difficult. It's a boo-boo. We can't move forward. Two of the 12, Joshua and Caleb, who saw the same thing, they come back and say, yeah, there are giants. Yeah, we're like grasshoppers. However, their evaluation is a little different. They say, we got this. In fact, they use this interesting phrase. They say, it'll be bread for us. Not the idea that it's a piece of cake, but the idea that they're going to grow by it. I've used that story many times. I, I like it for many reasons. One is that our faith in the Lord doesn't deny reality. It's not like, you know, we ignore the challenges and the roads and the dark days and the tough times that are before us or have happened to us. It doesn't, it doesn't cloud reality. And we're not living in fantasy. It acknowledges, yeah, that's hard. I don't like it. it this is dumb. Why do I got to do this longer or be here or whatever the case may be? And yet at the same time, faith allows us to see it through the lens of God because Caleb and Joshua said, yes, there's giants, but our God is bigger. Our God's bigger. And by Him, we can overcome. We can run this race with endurance, the one, the endurance that the Spirit gives us. And then lastly, it is a race that is set before us. We're all running, and we all need each other. Again, we'll talk about that, how we're we're running from and we're running to and we're running with. There's those that God puts in your life to help spur you and encourage you. We need that. But also, we're running each in our own lane. You have a lane to run in and I have a lane, and I don't run in your lane and you don't run in mine. And while there's a place for us to spur and encourage and say, hey, you can do this, and and others who've been ahead of us to encourage us, sometimes there are people who cross lanes and they crash into others, and they criticize, and they complain, and they... We're not called to that. Spur, encourage, 
sometimes rebukes, certainly. But you are responsible to be faithful in the place and the pace that God's called you. Oh, there's the bell. I, I hate that bell. <laughs> Let me just get right to it. We're not called to competition. You and me, we're called to compliment and encourage. As a church, we're not competing against other churches. And God has tailor-made a race for you. You run your own lane. It's going to look different than how the person's running next to you. What they do in their marriage, what they do in their season, what they do in their singleness, where they're, where they're going, how they're serving, it's going to look different. And God isn't expecting you to be that person. You be you. Lovable, quirky you. In the place that God's called you. Your job and my job is to keep the course that God's marked out for us. Amen? All right. Father, thank you for the word this morning. One verse, it's so full, so good. A reminder that we're in this Christian race. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Lord, we need endurance. Lord, help us to prepare well that we might throw off those things that just are hindering us. For others, it may be a yes, but for us, it's a no. And other times in our life, it may be okay, but in this season, it's no for now, but not forever. Lord, for all of us, we want to get rid of sin. It will corrupt and it will crash us. Lord, help us to be serious about it. That we wouldn't play games because you're not playing games. Jesus died for our sin. Lord, help us to be patient and persistent that we might have endurance in hard times in our pursuit after you. And Lord, help us to stay our lane. We thank you that our pace and our place will look different. It's custom made. And so Lord, help us just to be faithful in what you've called us to do. We love you. God, I... I'm so grateful for our church family. Bless them this day, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, I'm thinking verse 2 and 3 next Sunday. It might just be verse 2, but read ahead. It's so good. All of it's so good. All right. Have a great Sunday, you guys. God bless you.